Well, good morning. Let's see if I can do this. I'm getting old. Can ah! do it. Oh, my back. I may have to sit down. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. It's hard getting old. How y'all doing? Hey, it's good to see y'all once again. Turn around at 1032 and there's like four of us in here. And then you look up at whatever, 1104, and you're all here. Just magically happens. It's amazing. It's amazing. Ryan, I have not preached in this since this was added. Man, this is nice, but I'm a short man, so it's like, it's up here. Hey, y'all. This is good. Did you have a good Christmas and New Year? All of you said? Yay, nay. Some of you, maybe you didn't have a great uh, Christmas and New Year. I hope you did. So on Christmas Eve, um, y'all know, uh, uh, Frank said it last week in the welcome that we started a new decade, and then I heard some controversy. Is this really a new decade? But it actually is. I Googled it and looked it up. We started a new decade five days ago, a new decade. And you know this, that you have traveled so far 8 million miles, 8 million miles. The earth is going at a a very fast pace, and so we'll go 500 and some million miles this year. You've already gone 8 million miles, and so aren't you worn out? So it's a new, new year, new decade, and I'm wondering um, what you have planned for the new year. And I had thought before the new year and the new decade would start, like we had some friends over the other night on New Year's Eve, and we had some good discussions and talking uh, different things, and I thought, well, we're old, and so... Well, we all agree beforehand, like we'll leave like before midnight because we got to get our beauty sleep. And so they left about 10 o'clock or so, but, and I was tired and ready to go to bed. Um, so a couple of kids went to sleep and then Brooks, our oldest, I thought, you know, I haven't been home in a lot of years to watch the ball drop from New York. And so we'll, we'll do that together. And Tammy had no interest. So she went in our bedroom and watched this show on Netflix called Heartland. Ladies, don't do it. Don't do it. It's like 20 seasons or whatever, 20 episodes apiece. You can't get through that thing. It's impossible. So don't even do it. She now wants to move to Canada and own horses. We're not doing that. Sorry, it's way too cold. And horses, we got a dog and some cats. That's enough animals to take care of. So we're sitting there on the TV, and then, you know, you watch those shows, and there's way too much... uh, a lot of shaking of the booty going on. I thought, we don't need to watch this right now. It's like 10 till midnight, you know. So I changed the channel, and me and Brooks are watching something else. We're getting wrapped up in that whole thing. And did you know, after all this building up, wanting to watch the ball drop, I flipped it back over at 12.02. <laughs> I failed so bad going into a new decade. So bad. But Tammy was enjoying Heartland. She had no clue that we had a new decade at all. So... We start off the new year, we kind of missed it, but here we are um, in church. And so Ryan had asked me to come and preach this morning, and I uh, always enjoy doing that. I hope you do. You may not let you know, here he goes again. Um, but I always enjoy that, but it was more or less wide open what I would preach. And so sometimes that, to me, is more difficult because i got to choose from this whole book. Like, what is it that I need to choose from? It's easier just to take a passage of Scripture and say, yeah, you got this passage right here. So I, I really struggled with what to preach this morning. Up until after uh, really the new year went over, I didn't know when, until I think Wednesday or Thursday, really what I prayed and said, God, what is it you want me to speak on this morning? What are you saying to me personally? And what would you say to us as a church, as a church body, as believers 
entering into a new decade. And so I, I, I really just struggled through that and prayed through that and prayed that. However, a few weeks ago, um, it was about a month ago, something like that, God continued to impress upon my heart. I feel like it was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you're not sure, but it was the Word of God. And so He kept bringing me back to a passage. And I, the last few Sundays, in fact, last Sunday was, uh, when Ryan was preaching, if you haven't heard that message, by the way, you should go back and listen to it. A lot of you were not here. You need to go back and listen to that message. Great, great message. Um, but during that message, at one point, I felt like I remembered Colossians chapter 1. And we didn't read that. That's not the main text for the day. Um, but I kept coming back to that. I came back on last Sunday and the Sunday before that. And during the week, at different times, I would go to Colossians 1 and read this passage from chapter 1, verse 15 through the end of the chapter. Well, I guess through 23, something like that. And it was just sticking in my head. And so as I prayed through and God, what is it you want me to say? And it always, I kept feeling like, although the passage and what I'm going to talk about in 2 Corinthians, this passage in Colossians just kept coming back to my mind over and over the last month. And so I thought, God, is it, could it be that you, this is what um, you're saying to me this morning? And it all really comes back to, if you know this scripture, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible in Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15 through 23, and I just want to read it for us this morning. I want you to listen. Now, sometimes, look, I get it. Sometimes when you hear Scripture read, you kind of tune out, kind of start thinking of other things. But I want you to listen to this. I'm not going to go, we could spend a couple weeks really in this, just this one passage. So more or less kind of kind of fly through um, this Scripture. Um, but to start out a new year and a new decade, to re-identify into who we are and why we do what we do, why you come on a Sunday morning, why you call yourself a Christian, why you would have a Bible in your house, why you would read it, why you live the way you do, why you spend the money the way you do, why you spend the time where you do and how you spend it, what you do with your family, all those things, why you would spend any amount of time doing this all comes back really to this passage and to start out a new year. So I want to read this to you, okay? So just listen. You don't have to turn there, okay? It says this, talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image. He was man incarnate, God incarnate, right? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, of all creation. Verse 16, for by him all things were created. By who? By Jesus. By him, by Jesus, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created. How many things? All things. Everything you can see and you can't see, all things were created through him and for him. For him. All things were created through him and for him. Are you a created being? You are a created being, right? You were created through who? Yeah. Through Jesus, through Him. Through Jesus, you were created through Him and what? For Him. Your body is in shape or out of shape as you feel like you are, as competent or incompetent you are on different subjects, as talented or not so talented in some areas that you are, your personality, everything about you. It was made through him, through Jesus, by him, and for him. 
Your body, your personality, who you are as a man or a woman or a student, you were made by him and for him. And so he made you for the purpose of who? Himself. You exist for him. And so as we begin a new year and a new decade, why do you exist? You exist for the purposes of God, right? Paul says it in a number of places. In James, he says it in Titus, all these other places. He says, I'm a servant. I'm a slave to God. I'm, I, am, I am his. I am to do whatever he wants. That's who, who he is. And Paul says it right here so clearly. He says, I was made through him. Everything was made through him and by him. Okay? And he, let me see where I am. Dominions, sorry. For by him and all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is, who is? Jesus is before all things and in him. In who? In Jesus, all things. In Jesus, all things hold together. And in Jesus, he is the head of the body, us, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He might be supreme. He might be the head. He's in charge. He's sovereign. For in Jesus, in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We can gloss over that sentence right there, but this is powerful stuff. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So God was, Jesus was fully God and fully man. And through Jesus, through him, to reconcile to himself, to make th two things that were apart, to bring them together, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Whew. Now, we think about the gospel. We talk, we talk about the gospel a lot, right? The gospel, we're going to talk about that this morning. But here, right here in Colossians, here's the gospel in a nutshell. It's verse 21. And you, it's you, me, all of us, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. You know what that reminds me of? Ephesians 2. We've, we preached through this earlier in the year where he says that we were dead in our trespasses. We are children of wrath. We know nothing of, of goodness. We, we would never choose God left unto ourselves. That we are children of wrath, dead in our transgressions, not alive, completely dead. All we knew is sin. For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us born into sin. And he says there, you were once alienated. Alienated from who? A holy, righteous God who said, I can have nothing to do with sin. I can have nothing to do. I want a relationship with you. Oh, I can't because you've got sin. You were alienated from him and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled. He has made right. He has brought two parties that were apart, reconciled, brought them together, reconciled in his body of flesh, Jesus' body of flesh, by his death in order to present you and you and you and you and you and me to present us, you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you what? Y'all reading along? Follow along? The gospel that you heard. You heard it, right? You heard the gospel, and that gospel changed your life because you heard it. Someone told you about it. Someone told you about it. The gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. 
That right there, guys, that is the gospel. And so as we start out in a new year, as we start out with um, thinking about all the plans, maybe you've made plans already for this year, you've made these New Year's resolutions that may last about five days, and today you're like, I'm done. It's good enough for me. Five days in, you're already done. Or it may be that you say, I've got this resolution. I'm going to do this. All these different things that we set out and say, we're going to be, we're going to do this. We're going to lose weight. We're going to work out more. We're going to try and be in the word more. All these things. I thought this morning as we start out a new year to be re-identified with who it is that we are and that what is life all about? What is your life all about? Why do we come here this morning? Why do we do what we do? Why would I work in the, why do I work hard in my job? Is it to earn a check or is it to please God and say, God, I'm working under you. Why do I, why do I um, live the way I do? How do I, in my speech, in the way I talk with other people, how, why, why do I do this? Why? Because Jesus, because of him, he changed your life. And at one point in your life, you heard the gospel, and it changed your life, right? Amen? You heard it, though, and someone told you. If you've got your Bible, flip over to 1 Peter chapter 1. Got a few more verses. We're going to flip a, a few different places here. Verse 23. 1 Peter 1, verse 23 in it. We'll look at just a couple verses here. It says this, Since you have been born again, since you've been born again, Peter's making the, the analogy here. Right? He, he realizes that you, you've been born again by the Spirit. You didn't pray some magical prayer to get out of hell, but like actually your eyes were open to the gospel. And he changed your life. Do you remember that day when, when your life was completely changed? When you came to know Jesus as, as real Savior, he came to reside in your heart. Not some prayer that maybe you prayed a long time ago just to be able to go to heaven, but he truly transformed your life. Like you look back and you go, that was the day, that was the time when I crossed the line of faith and he became my Savior. And Peter says here, he says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. I'm perishable, you're perishable, but the gospel is not perishable. It will last forever and ever and ever. He says, so since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fails or falls, but the word of the Lord remains for, forever. And then this last word in chapter, last few words in chapter one. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. It was preached to you. So you think back to the time you, you came to know Christ. Someone likely told you about Jesus, right? It didn't just happen. You heard the gospel. Maybe as a young boy, young girl, as a child, you heard about it. Maybe you heard about it later in life, but someone, in fact, told you about Jesus. They told you about Jesus. And we read about Jesus in Colossians 1. Someone introduced that passage to you and told you about Jesus, about it. There's a God in heaven who desires a relationship with all of mankind. But there was a problem. There was a problem of sin, and God's a holy God and righteous God. He can't have anything to do with sin. But yet God loved you. He said, I want a relationship with Kent. I want a relationship with him. I want a relationship with you, Craig. I want a relationship with you, Chris. I want a relationship with you, but there's this problem of sin. And so he said, there's got to be an ultimate sacrifice once and for all. And so he sent his only son. Can you imagine sending one of your children to go and die for people who didn't give a rip 
about you? And that's exactly what he did. So he sent his son, Jesus, to go and live a perfect life so that we might have the opportunity to have a relationship with God, that Jesus would take our sin, all of our sin, all of mankind's sin, all your sin, past, present, and future, all of yours, which is a lot, right? Mine's a whole lot of sin. Sin all the time. And yet Jesus took that sin, took it upon himself, and then gave me his righteousness. He gave me his righteousness. Now, I heard that as a little boy. Heard it in church. I look back at the influences of my life. My mother took me, I think I was born on a Thursday and I was in church on Sunday. Like, I don't remember a time not going to church and hearing the gospel preached. I remember hearing Romans 3.23. All the sin have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, the result of my sin is death, not physical death, but spiritual death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 10.9, if I confess in my heart and believe in my heart, and believe, confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Christ uh, uh, was raised from the dead, I will be saved. And then Ephesians 2, 8. And all those scriptures I remember as a little boy. And I had influences in my life of people who told me about Jesus. Think about your conversion of when if you know Christ. Who were the influences that told you? Somebody told you about Jesus, right? It was your mother, your father. I looked back and thought, man, every Sunday at church I would go just like our Workers do back with the kids right now. They're sharing the gospel. They're proclaiming the gospel. They're telling them the gospel. Hey, you've sinned. You've sinned. We've all sinned. But there's a God who loves you and he wants a relationship with you. He wants to give you life. The kids are hearing that. I heard that as a kid. You think about your your story. All these things of influences in your life as someone told you about Jesus. Someone told you. And that's the way God designed it. To be realigned, say, God, I am yours. I'm yours. I'm realigning it. I'm, it's all about you, Jesus. I have a relationship with you, Jesus. Someone told me about that, and now I have a relationship with you. Flip over to 2 Corinthians, the main text that we read earlier. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm just going to point out a few things, and then I'm going to, today is maybe a little bit different because I'm going to give you some really practical application. In fact, if you've got your phone, um, you can take some notes on your phone here in a few minutes. I'm going to give you some very practical steps how we're going to be light in a dark world, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we could spend a ton of time here. I'm not going to do it because I'm going to leave some time for some real practical steps for us, okay? 2 Corinthians 4, we read it earlier. I'm going to read it again. It says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning, or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 5, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. Oh, this is so good. Tell me if you're falling asleep on me. Verse 7 is such an encouragement to us. It says, but we have this treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
There's three things in this passage, okay? I don't have time to go through all of it. But there's three things. There's a problem, there's a solution, and there's a means by which God provides the solution. So if you look at verse 4, and verse 4 can be painful actually to read it. And you all have, if you're a believer, and you've prayed for anybody who doesn't know Christ, and they have more or less stiff-armed God. You know what I mean by that? You know, football, they stiff-armed to get away from me, you know? They have stiff-armed God and said, I don't want anything to do with him. And nothing, they have no interest in him. The gospel's boring. The Bible's irrelevant to them. They act like God doesn't even exist. This, this verse 4 mm, tells us the answer to why this is. It says this, in their case, the God of this world, he's talking about Satan, our great enemy, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. The reason they won't ever come to faith unless God comes and opens their eyes is because the God of this world has blinded them. He has veiled their eyes. We all have friends like this or people in our life, potentially, who said, I, no, I don't want anything to do with him. They mock Christianity. They say he's not even real. I have a couple friends from high school that are on Facebook, and it, they make it their practice to rip and tear apart and make Christians look like fools and look like the, the dumbest people on the planet. And they continually mock Christianity. And I've thought at times, I should just not even look at their stuff. J just block them altogether. But then every single time I see this comment from them, and they almost feed off of each other, I think of this scripture right here. That, God, their eyes are blinded. They've never, their eyes have never been opened to the truth of the gospel. Their eyes have never been opened to who Jesus is. They've never been changed by the gospel. And until that, until that changes, they're going to be like that forever. They're just going to be like that forever. Do you have friends like this or family members who it seems like you've talked to them and prayed for them and prayed for them? Guys, I could share story after story after story today, this morning, of people where I've encountered this, where people have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and it seems like you just can never get through to them. They just have no interest in Jesus. Yet they'll sit in a church service. And you might be so impacted by what you've heard and what you've sung, what you've heard the gospel preach. And God so moves in your heart and they seem stoic. It seems like it's just way over them. They don't care. Nothing at all. And what this scripture tells us, along with Ephesians 2, along with Romans 9, a ton of other scripture is that their hearts and their minds, their eyes have been blinded, and that is the problem. That is the human condition. For all have sinned. All of us have sinned. And we are dead in our trespasses. We are children of wrath. We would never choose God left into our own self. Apart from God coming and stirring your heart, you would never choose him. You would never choose him. And when I say that statement, even right now, it is humbling. Because to know myself... And to know where I was or where I would be without him, who came and he said, Kent, wake up, Kent. And he rose me from the dead, a dead man. And he said, Kent, I still want you. I choose you. I want you. And he opened me up. He opened my eyes. Damn. So we all have people in our lives that we're praying for. I have a few people in my own life and I read this scripture in verse 4 and it breaks my heart because I pray and I pray. God, stir their heart. I can't do it. <clears throat> I'm 
can't get a parent preacher that crying. Y'all know that. <laughs> but you pray and you pray and you say, God, stir their heart. They're blind. God of this world has blinded them. And there's nothing I can say that will ever convince them. I'll never transform a heart. Only by your spirit will you do that. And so it's difficult. That's a problem. Verse 6, the solution. If you look at verse 6, if I could see my old eyes. For God has said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is him who will shine the light. He will shine the light and open eyes. It's not us. It's not me who's going to ever convince you. As eloquent as I might present the gospel to you, if you don't know Christ, unless God shows up, you'll never have a heart transformed, ever. It's all God's work. It's all his. But here's the great thing. Here's the means by which that solution is provided. And the way God's designed the whole thing to work, it's in verse 5. And it says this, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for for Jesus' sake. How's that happen? It's when we open our mouths and we proclaim that Jesus is Lord. When we start sharing the story, we start sharing about Jesus, That's how it happens. We share the gospel with people and tell them about Jesus. That is exactly what happens. Now, some of you say, man, I don't even know how to share the gospel. I know I'm called to share the gospel. I know I'm supposed to share my faith with people. I know I'm supposed to do that. But I I feel so unqualified. I don't think I know enough. Uh, it's really, I don't know, it's kind of weird, awkward to talk about Jesus with people who don't know him. That's a weird deal. I don't really feel like doing that. I don't feel qualified to do it, really. Well, verse 7 is for you, and that's why I said this is the key verse for today, and I hope you'll just mark that in your Bible or mark it down. You'll remember it at least because he says this, but we have this treasure. What's the treasure? It's the light of the gospel. He just said it. The gospel that lives within you if you know Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have this treasure. What's the treasure? It's Jesus that lives within you. And that that treasure, the most valuable thing in the universe known to mankind, it's Jesus. That's That's the treasure. And he lives within you. And it's contained in something, as Paul says, Uh, is a jar of clay. You would think that the most precious substance known to mankind of all the universe would be contained in something like a chalice, something like of something of gold, a platinum, something of a very precious substance that would hold the precious substance, right? That would hold the gospel there. But he says here, he says, we're just a jar of clay not valuable. And here, here's the encouragement to you. You ever feel unqualified? You ever feel like, um, I don't know if I know all the right words to say to people. I don't know if I really feel like I, I, I don't have a lot of, you know, theological training. I don't know if I know all the right answers. Well, you're in good company, okay? Because he says right here, you're just a jar of clay. You're just a clay pot. You're just a clay pot. 
but you contain within you the substance that will change the life of anyone that comes in contact with it. All you got to do as a clay pot is just say, I'm willing, I'll pour you out. I feel unqualified. I don't feel like I know enough, but Jesus, because I contain you, you live within me, I will go and I will pour out and then I will watch you work. I will watch you work. Flip over to Matthew chapter, it's the last one, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to give you some practical steps here. Verse 13, Matthew 5, 13 and through 16. It says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It no longer is good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Again, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, it, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And guys, let me tell you something. This morning in Melissa, Texas, on the way here, I saw people at home. I saw people doing different things outside. They're not in church, and not that church is the end-all, be-all, but it's pretty clear in Scripture we need to gather as saints but church attendance does not equate necessarily to salvation, does not equate to someone who's been changed by Christ, but it's an evidence of it. And I can tell you that this morning, there's estimated more than 10,000 people in Melissa, just this city alone, okay? We have enough gas stations for all these people to survive, but no food hardly at all. We have to go somewhere else for it. But we have plenty of gas. If you need gas, come to Melissa, okay? There's 10,000 people, more than that, here in Melissa right now. Do you know that the high majority of those people don't go anywhere to church? They don't go anywhere, and they are your neighbors. They're my neighbors. They're your neighbors. There are people all across this city who may or may not go to church maybe once or twice this year, and some of them, none at all. And yet you are living in a neighborhood that God placed you by His sovereignty. There are no accidents that God sovereignly placed you where you live. You hear me? You think you picked out that house? You did. I don't know how God's sovereignty and all that whole thing works. It seems like you picked it, but God chose to put you where you live for a purpose. Matthew 5. Thank you, Tammy. Amen? He put you there for a purpose. Matthew 5 says that. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. What does light do for darkness? Cast it out, doesn't it? In your neighborhood, you are the light. You are the light in the neighborhood among some other folks who are believers. You are the light of that neighborhood. This is here for Christmas. We bought, I bought some, I love this. Got these little um, smart sockets where you plug in a lamp, whatever, and you can tell Google to turn them on and all that. And my brother was like, boy, you're letting the CIA in. Do all that. I'm like, I got nothing to hide, man. Nothing to hide. Hey, Google, turn on front light. It flips it on, like, check that out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> But I have some lights that are in the backyard. And they're the string lights, you know, LED bulbs. And um, they're so hard to plug in. Like, I, I just pain to plug in, so I hardly ever plug them in. I gotta get behind a chair and under here, and you gotta get down on the ground. I'm like, I can't do that. Forget that. Who needs a light, you know? But I got the smart plugs. And I plugged one of them in and set it all up. And now I'm like, hey, Google, turn on outside lights. <laughs> and it turns them on. 
And we live, where we live, we have woods out, and it's very dark at night, and I've got it out on a schedule. But when those lights come on, that darkness is out there, boom, just the whole backyard all over, way back to the fence and back to the creek. It's lit up, provides light to darkness. And as I did that the other night, I thought about that. That's who we are. Jesus said, man, you're the light of the world. You have treasure that lives within you. You're just a clay pot. No, you're not adequate. You're inadequate. Okay, but I'm the treasure. Just do your part. God chooses to say, I want to use you if you'll just be willing. Here's the problem. is that most of us can't even remember the last time we've even shared Jesus with somebody. We don't even remember. We might invite them to church, but we say, well, I don't know. It won't be awkward. It'll be weird. And yet Jesus living within you, the treasure, the greatest thing ever in the history of mankind and the universe lives within you. He lives within me. And we don't share him. Yet he says, you're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Hey, Google, turn on the back light. Boom, there it is. You light up the whole place. That's who you are, where God placed you in your neighborhood. Do you know who your neighbors are? Do you know who that, who lives across the street? Do you know their story? I'm not here to make you feel guilty. It's just to remind you, Jesus says in Colossians, it's all about him. He changed your life. He came in and transformed you. And because of that, we get the privilege to join in with him to say, God, I am so inadequate. I'm a clay pot. I'm a mess on my best day. But God, if you want me to, I'll do my very best. I'll just, I'll share you whenever you give me an opportunity. Let me tell you this, okay? I heard this from John Piper one time, and it's such a great quote. He says this, any word spoken on behalf of Christ is never wasted. You hear that? No word spoken on behalf of Christ is ever wasted. So you may feel like, there, guys, there have been times in my life that um, I have shared Christ with someone, and I thought, I thought, man, that should have been videoed. It was so good. Like, that was, I knocked it out of the park. I, I literally, that was a fastball right in the middle, and I knew it was coming. I'm like, whoa, that's gone. You can't even see it. That's how good I thought I did. And you know what the person who I was talking to did? Ah, I'm not interested. I have no interest. I could tell you so many times that that's happened. And then even more so this has happened, that I shared the gospel, and I did about the worst job. It's a swing and a mess. Terrible. Fumbling through it. And if it was graded on an A to F grading scale, is there such thing as an F minus? Because I had done that a few times. Do you know what's happened on those occasions a few times for me? God, by sovereignty. The person has responded and said, Today's my day. Today's my day. I want to know him. I want to receive him into my life. Which goes back to the fact that I'm just a clay pot. You're just a clay pot. Just said, pour it out. Yeah, God's sovereign. He's in control of all that. Guys, we say around here, from the day I walked in the doors to this gym for church, Ryan leading out, kind of our slogan is for the city, Right? We're for the city. We're for people. We're for the world. God, use us. And it's time, possibly, maybe in 2020 now, to say, God, I'm, I have been sitting on the sidelines once again, just sitting on the sidelines, letting other people tell, tell others about Christ. And I can't remember the last time I've even done that. I can't remember I've been a light. I'm not a light in the world at all, God. 
but yet you've called me to do that. And maybe today, maybe you just say, man, something's got to change in my life. God's put you where you work. He's put you where you live. He's put you in classes, students, for no, for no accident. It was on purpose. He put you sitting next to people and kids who maybe don't know Christ. And you get the honor and the privilege to jump in and say, I don't know how this is going to go, but I don't have to worry about it. Just tell them about Jesus and what he's done in my life. You don't have to know every scripture. Just get out there and share Christ with people. Just do it. I love what Paul in Acts 26, we're not going to go there, but in Acts 26, um, he's talking, he's kind of just sharing his story um, um, to King Agrippa of his conversion on the Damascus Road. And the risen Christ is speaking to him. He, says, he recounts this. And then there's one line in there. I think it's in verse 17. I think it is. But Jesus says to him, um, I'm sending you to open their eyes. I'm sending you to open their eyes. And I think this is, this is applicable to us as well as believers, that he is sending you. He's sending each one of you. Just go ahead and point to yourself. It's me sending me to open the eyes of the guy that I work with. He's sending me to open the eyes of my children or my grandchildren. He's sending me to open the eyes of my neighbor. He's sending me to open the eyes of the, of the waiter that's waiting on me at the restaurant later today. He's sending me to go do that. Because if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? God's called you. Just like Paul said, I'll say yes to that. You're sending me to open their eyes. I can't do it. I'm just a clay pot. I can't do it. But God, I'm trusting you that you live within me, the treasure that lives within me. I'm going to pour you out. You're the treasure. And you're the one who's going to change hearts. I'll never do it. I'm going to trust you to do it. And whether I do a great job or the poorest job ever, I don't have to worry about it. All the pressure's off on me. I don't have to worry about it. Just share. Just speak it. Just tell them about Jesus. Tell them about who he is. Tell them that he's changed your life. Colossians 1, the risen Christ. Why do we do what we do? Why would I share him? Because that Jesus that I read about and I just read about earlier, he changed my life and I can't help but share about him. I can't help it but share about him. So if you've got your, your phone out, some notes, you can take some. I'm going to give you some very practical. Some of you, I know you'll walk out of here, potentially some of you, and you're like, eh, fine message, I don't care. But some of you potentially... Maybe something that God might do in your heart this morning is say, I'm going to be a light in this world. I'm going to jump in on what God's doing. God's at work in your neighborhood. You know this? He's at work in your neighborhood among people that you may not even know. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you. You hear me? He's got people in your work right now that he's doing the work, and you may not have any idea what he's doing. But you could possibly say, God, Use me. I don't know how. I don't feel qualified, but I'll jump in. And he's going to decide to use you in a tremendous way. And then who gets the credit? He does. Paul says it right there in, in verse 7. It's him. He gets the glory because we're just clay pots, right? So, so some practical suggestions for you, okay? Did you think about being a light in this world? The first step, first thing, is it's about relationships. Guys, what if we just found people to be interesting? You just say, I'm going to take an interest in this person. You know, hardly anybody asks questions about another person. You know how somebody's interested? They start asking questions about them. So find people interesting. Say, I, I, I'm, I'm going to find this person interesting, whoever it is, my neighbor. I've never met my neighbor. Never even talked. They're four doors down. I don't even know. I see them, but I've never met them. To go by and meet them. You know, I had a guy. We took, uh, I took this is years ago. I 
we took a, I think I was, we were going to Brazil. We took a team down there. We were doing all this evangelism. We're sharing Christ with tons of people. And God just moved. We had a big group with us. And we literally had hundreds of people come to faith that week. It was amazing. And they've been followed up with and discipled and all that. Amazing work. And we're on the plane coming back. This guy lives in Allen. His name is Rick. Rick comes up to me. I remember I'm sitting on the, on, on the aisle in the plane. We're about halfway back to Dallas. And he comes up to me. And I'm half asleep, and he says, he kneels down in the middle of the aisle and puts his knee down and goes, hey, man, uh, I've been thinking about this. Um, he said, I live where I've lived for all these years. He said, I just traveled 5,000 5, miles to go share Jesus with people, and yet I've not even done that in my own neighborhood. He said, something's got to change when I get home. So I found out two weeks later, you know what he did? Rick went around to his neighborhood, knocking on doors, and he said that. He just knocked on the door. He said, hi, my name's Rick. I live down there. And I've never met you. I just wanted to meet you. And I want you to know that I, I'm a Christian. I, I love Jesus. And not to freak you out or anything, but um, hey, is there anything I could pray with you about? Like, is there something I, just for me, I personally, when I pray at night or in the morning, is there something I could pray for you about? And over and over and over and over again, he told me the, the, the relationships that came out of that, that people were open a few people just started sharing their life with him, led a couple of them to Christ because he decided to say, God, I will be light in my neighborhood. I'm going to knock on the door and say, hi, my name's Rick. You don't know me, but I live right down there. Drive by you every day. Is there something I could just pray for you about? I've been a bad neighbor. I want to meet you. What can I pray for you about? Could it be that God might do that in your own neighborhood? Maybe. Relationships. Build relationships. People you work with that you see every day, you never say anything to them at all. You might ask them the story. Tell me your story. Tell me about your life. So build relationships. The second thing, oh, I love this one. This is us as believers, as Christ followers, people who've been changed by Christ. We should be the most generous people on the planet. Amen? I got one more. Amen. 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 We should be the most generous people on the planet. Amen. It's the truth. Yet, you know what we find among Christians? A lot of times, it's the exact opposite. Because we've created lifestyles. Hello, going to stump on some toes, maybe. My own. We create lifestyles that don't even allow us to be generous. We don't, they don't even allow us to be generous. They say, well, I've got to have this, I've got to have this, 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 this. If there's a little bit left over, I might give a little bit. And we come, we say, well, I give to the church a little bit. We don't hardly ever talk about giving in here. This is talking about sharing your faith, though, in every way. Is that, God, what I own, I don't own. It says on our checking account, my name and my wife's name. It says it on there, but in all reality, it should be it's Jesus Christ owns it. I'm just a steward. I'm a manager of what God has given me. He blessed me with this. Why? To use it for his purposes. Go back to what we read earlier. I was made through him and by him and who? For what? For him. It's all his. And so to be generous on every occasion to say, God, however you want to use everything I have, it's yours. So if you have a neighbor who needs something, we needed a paint big roller this week. I know uh, you helped us the other day. We had friends who just said yes. Um, that's the way we should be. Lend without expecting anything in return. Guys, if we're going to be for the city, if we're going to stand out in this city, we're not going to be like everybody else. 
The Lord, go on now. We are Melissa Facebook page, and a lot of it is negativity. We should not know. It's not us. We're believers who are trying to point people to Jesus, people who've been changed by him. And we should be the most generous people on the planet and in this city. Say, you need something? Here's mine. You need, you need help? Absolutely. You know what we did? Not to pat us on the back at all. I'm a, look, I'm a mess on my best day, okay? Something I feel like God led us to do, and it's been something I've, we love it. Um, but you have to create margin in your life to do this. We created a separate account altogether that is just a giving account. It's a debit card that's just for giving. And every month, money gets deposited into that giving account to be used however God leads us. God, you put a meat in front of us. You want us to buy this guy's meal? Okay, we'll buy his meal. And you put it in there. It's just ready to give. Say, God, how do you want to use this? It's all yours anyway. So, but to do that, you've got you to adjust your lifestyle to say, God, all, everything I have is yours. It's not mine. I've been spending way too much money, time, resources, everything on things that make me happy. Instead of being looking out with outwardly looking and saying, God, how can I reach this city for your glory? How can I reach my neighbor? My neighbor, I know he needs a new rake. I'm going to go buy him one. Here you go, bud. Here's your new rake. I saw your rake. You broke it. Here's your new rake. I saw it in the store. It's yours, man. Have, have a good one. How can I help you do it? Something like that. Anytime there's a need, just say, yes, Jesus, you've blessed me. I exist for you. I'm going to be the most generous person. Not for my credit. Not so somebody says, well, look what they did. Look what they did. No, it's because of Jesus, right? All because of him. So be a lavish giver. Lavish. Look for opportunities to give. The third thing, talk about Jesus in everyday conversations. In Acts, oh, I love this too. I don't have too much time. I know. Acts 5, 28. Listen to this. It says, we strictly charge you not to teach in the name of Jesus. Yet you here have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. The apostles. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great just to sprinkle? Every time you're, you're talking, you're talking about Jesus so that people are hearing about Jesus because you're just talking about him. You sprinkle him in conversations. Maybe when you meet somebody or talk to them, sit down at a restaurant. Oh, isn't it a beautiful day God's given us? Isn't it a beautiful day? God's so good to us. Sprinkle him in the conversation. What, I wrote this down. If all the Christians were talking about Christ and giving out books about Christ and sending emails about Christ, and posting on Facebook and Instagram about Christ and what He's doing in your heart and in our community, and inviting people to church for Christ, and being lavishly generous to others for Christ, then someone might just say in this town, golly, those Christians at City Church, they filled our community with the teaching of Jesus. Can you imagine that? But too many times our hearts and our minds are not on those things. That's a very practical step for you. Say, man, let me sprinkle in Jesus. He fills my speech with, with everything I talk about. It's just, there's always talking about Jesus. Fourth, the fourth thing, get in the Word. Ryan talked about this last week. Too many times, it's on our phones, I know now. We're not in this Word. We don't know it. Guys, there's reading plans out there. Get in the Word and read this book. We just read it. It's life-giving. That's the gospel. It's right here. It's God's, how He speaks to you. So get in the Word. Speak it. Read books. Read other books. I'm talking about evangelism some this morning. Really, it's just a lifestyle. Learn how to do it. There's no excuse. All kinds of books. I got this one. J.I. Packer, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. Will Mesker, Tell the Truth. 
true for you, but not for me. Reimagining evangelism. And just get better at it. There's another one by Mark Dever. Uh, evangelism, no, the gospel and personal evangelism is the best book on evangelism. Just say, I'm going to get better at this. I am a clay pot, but I should be prepared to share the gospel with somebody and to know how to do it at least. Although that's not even a reason. Share your story, how he's changed your life. But be reading, continually reading. Fifth thing, be prepared and looking for opportunities. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lives within you. What's different about you? Well, it's Jesus. It's changed my life. Not in an arrogant way, but Jesus changed my life several years ago, and I love him. That's why I do what I do. That's why I'm trying. That's why I bought you a rake. That's why I'm buying you dinner. That's why I'm doing all these things. You go to a restaurant, guys. This is the easiest thing in the world to do. Where did I put that? Somewhere in here. I don't have it with me. I had it. It went somewhere. When you go to a restaurant and you see a waiter, or you talk to the waiter, ask them their name. Hey, Anna, uh, it's good to meet you. Hey, is there, um, is there any, we're about to pray for our food in a few minutes. Is there anything we can pray for you about? And that can be awkward sometimes, which some of you kind of like, you like awkward, like you like awkward situations. Some of you don't like it at all. <laughs> but it can be kind of fun. Hey, Anna, um, we're about to pray. Is there anything we can pray for you about? And sometimes it'd be like, Mm, I don't know. No, I ain't got nothing. And then other times it's like, they'll sit and ponder it and think about you. You could pray for my mom. She has cancer. And like pray for them right there. You never know what God will do through a conversation like that. You never know. But that's an opportunity for you, your spouse, and your family, your kids, to watch you say, I'm going to be a salt and light to this world. I'm going to give her the treasure that lives within me. I'm a clay pot. I don't know what to say, but I'm going to try my best. And trust God with it. Just do that. I've got some of these in the back. This is a Kevin DeYoung wrote this little gospel track. You remember these? They're not as popular anymore. I don't know why. But I have given out, again, not pat me on the back. I have given out thousands of these to people. Okay? And I have no idea for 99.9999% of them if they've ever done anything. But here's the line I use when I go to a restaurant or a drive-thru or I'm at Walmart or something like that. I say, look, I know you're busy working, but when you get a chance, would you just read this? It's been a lot to me in my life. I've only had in all these years a few times of somebody being negative about it. Most of them are like, yeah, sure, okay. One time years ago, um, I was going through a jack-in-the-box real late at night. I went through, and I handed the guy, and I was like, it was a different one, but I said, hey, bud, I know you're working, but when you get a chance, would you read this? He said, sure. Well, would you know it? I was eating really healthy back then. Um, I went through Jack in the Box the next night. <laughs> and I tried to give him another one. I didn't realize it was the same guy. I said, hey, I know you've been working with Jim. Would you read this? See, I've said a lot. And he goes, man, you gave me that last night. I said, I did? Huh? Well, what'd you think? He goes, I was cooking fries when I read it. And he said, I realized God's been working on me. And he said, I prayed that prayer at the end of it. And that, I didn't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. I, I just know God's been working in my life and speaking to me. And he used that. That was one time, had one other time experience where that's happened. Just by saying, God, I just, I don't know what to do. Just go up and say something. God, I know you're busy working. Would you chance to read this? Over and over and over again. And in all these years of doing it, maybe one or two times I've had a negative reaction. And th- those people, they're just, they're, their eyes are veiled. That's why I, they're just veiled. Oh, well. 
You know, just trust God with it. But you never know what will happen. You guys get these in the mail? Credit card offers? All the time. Why throw them away? They got postage paid. Get you some of these right here. Slip them in. <laughs> Put them in the mail. Send it to Congressman Van Taylor. He sent me something. Some girl in Plano is going to read this tomorrow or this week, and she's going to go, what in the world is this? You never know what God might do. Do you? So I have used their postage paid. They're paying for the gospel to go out. Random people. You never know. You have some little girl in El Paso, Texas, that opens that up and goes, God's been working on me. God, would you show me something that you care about me? Open that up. God, you're speaking to me. And then at lunch that day, a coworker or somebody comes by and God's been working in her heart and says, share with this girl. And God shares with her. And she comes to faith. You never know. Just be willing to say, God, I'm going to be light and salt. I'm going to look for opportunities to share the gospel. Earlier this year, I took a guy with me to Sierra Leone. We're on the plane. He's a godly guy. And he got on the plane. And this is no accident. A girl from South Lake was on the plane with us. And it was one of those small commuter jets, real small, real cramped. And somebody claustrophobic is like, oh, golly, help me, Lord. He gets in the very back of the plane, and here comes this girl, and she sits down. She's like the last one on. And she um, sits down and starts talking to the friend of mine. And she'd been with a family in South Lake who were believers. This girl was from Eastern Europe, and she'd been questioning everything she believed and felt like that there was a God who loved her, and it God placed her right in the spot, the right seat. And they shared all the way. I think we went to D.C. or Newark before we went over to Africa. In the three-hour flight, they talked the whole way about Jesus. And then he told him, he said, God's pursuing you. It's no accident he put you next to me. But that would never have happened had he not been willing to just say, hey, hey, what's your name? What's your story? Tell me about your life. And it was from there that God just opened the door for conversation. Why? Because he was prepared. He was looking for opportunities. The sixth thing. This is the easiest one in the world to do. We all should do it. Invite people to church. Invite your neighbor to church. Invite your neighbor to church. Seventh thing. Pray God would fill you with his spirit so you'll speak the word of God with boldness. The reason we don't speak with boldness, the reason we don't share Christ, is because we're not filled with the spirit. And I pray that all the time. God, would you fill us with your spirit? It's because we're not spirit-filled. It's why we don't share. Eighth thing. Two more and I'm done. Pray as a family for those who don't know Christ. You should be praying for somebody who doesn't know Christ. God, give me the opportunity to share with Dan. God, I, know, I don't think Dan knows Christ. So would you give me an opportunity? Pray for opportunities to share with that guy or that girl, with someone that may be in your neighborhood. You don't know. God, give me the opportunity to share with them. My I don't know it all, but God, just give me an opportunity. And then the last thing is this. Ask God for these three things. If you can remember this, okay? You want to be light in this world? You want to be salt? You want to share the treasure that lives within you? Share about Jesus because it's all about him. You pray for these three things. Pray for opportunities to share him. You'll hear me? See if you're not writing anything down. If you remember this or not, you leave here. You pray for opportunities to share Jesus with someone. Okay? Pray for opportunities. And then pray for eyes to see those opportunities. We all have opportunities. We just don't see them. God, give me eyes to see the opportunities you give to me to share. And the third thing, when you see those opportunities, God, give me the boldness 
to share. Remind me, no word spoken on behalf of Christ is ever wasted. Give me boldness to share. And remind me, I'm a clay pot. It's all your work, and I can trust you in that. So again, pray for opportunities. Pray for eyes to see those opportunities. And then pray for boldness to seize those opportunities. God wants to use you. The question is for us, we're going to sit on the sidelines, say, eh, I'll let somebody else do it. Or are we going to step into it and say, God, I'm looking for how you're going to use me. The treasure lives within me. And I'm a clay pot ready to be used and poured out on, on, a, on a watching world, on a city who does not, for the most part, know Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for, um, for your word. God, there's so many scriptures this morning. We could just camp out in any one of them. It's all over your word, God. Um, Jesus, it's all about you, the treasure that lives within us. And we're inadequate on our best days, but God, you still choose to use us. And we're privileged, God, and honored that you would include us in the story you're writing in the lives of so many people, Lord. Thank you for the influences you've had on each one of us, God, how we came to faith. It's because of a collection of people who introduced, introduced us to the person of Jesus and his story. God, help us not remain the same. God, we got a new year, a new decade. And I pray, God, we'd be reminded this morning, even now, it's all about you, Jesus. And because of that overflow of our love for you, Jesus, we can't help but share you with a lost world, God. We love you. God, we love you. Give us more love for you and a desire to serve you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 2950 Cardinal Drive, and we'd love to meet you this coming week. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.